This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to More Than Potential, the podcast. On this show, we talk about mental health, well-being, and self-improvement from a Gen Z perspective. I'm your host, Faith. So I hope you guys are having a great day. Um, I haven't posted a few episodes in like a week or so. I think it's been a week. And I apologize for that. Essentially, I got like really burnt out with other stuff in life. So I had to take a step back and just in general, life has been kind of crazy. I've gotten really, really busy. So anyway, my apologies, guys. I sincerely didn't even realize I had missed a post until it was like Wednesday last week. And I was like, wait, I didn't post anything. I think I don't have anything scheduled. So yeah, I just kind of had to live with it. And you know, I actually did need a little bit of time anyway, just because the past like few the past few weeks have been really hard for me and maybe I'll make a, a, a an episode about what's been going on and just like how life has been going for me. But yeah, I've been definitely struggling, doing a lot of work, you know, a lot of thinking and, you know, life is just life, you know? I mean, I don't think anything's too bad yet, but I am definitely going through it. I think everyone is, but I don't know. I feel like everyone I know within the past like 30 to 40 days have really has really been like struggling like a lot of people I know have really been going through some stuff so you know just understand that I'm perfectly fine just a lot going on sometimes I need a break I need to take a mental health week or just to reflect and do what I need to do but trust me I'm fine guys so this episode I wanted to talk about something because I feel like this is some, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before. I don't know. Maybe I haven't, but this is something I wanted to talk about because it's actually a recurring issue. This is something that I've noticed for a very long time, but I don't think I was fully aware of it until I was in university. When it comes to dating, I feel like depending on the friend group I had, the experiences were different. So when I was in college, I remember my friends who were not black had a completely different experience than I did. So when they would be on these little dating apps like Tinder or Bumble or Hinge, you know, those apps, I felt like their experience was different in the sense that they got a lot of attention, like a lot of attention. And I was close to a metropolitan area, 
So there was a lot of people I could match with, a lot of, you know, potential matches. And that's not to say that I never got matches, but I just didn't realize how large the disparity was. I really didn't know until I started talking to some friends and, you know, people that I knew. And I was realizing that a lot of them got hundreds of matches, like hundreds. And I would get like in the tens, 20s, 30s, 40s kind of thing. And, you know, a lot of men who are listening to this episode are going to be like, okay, so what? Because you're a woman. The average woman gets a lot more matches than the average man. Dating apps are extremely competitive for men. And yeah, I would say that's true. You know, a lot of women do get more matches than men. But the problem is not that I have matches, but it's that I don't have as many options. Because y'all got to remember, the dating apps have forced people to do what is in their best interest. For most men, it is not in their best interest to just match with a bunch, to, to only match with women that they find super attractive. They need to get a sampling of the population. They need to understand who was actually swiping right on them. And they'll pick from that group. In other words, a lot of men are not necessarily matching with women that, that are their ideal type, right? They're matching with whoever swipes right on them. Women are far more selective than men. So it makes more sense for men to swipe right on everyone. And then based on who they swipe on, and based on who swipes right on them, they'll make that sort of call. Why is this important to talk about? Well, because simply put, it would explain why so many men match with me, but never send me a message. And before you say anything, you'll just say, oh, well, you are this empowered woman. You can send the message first. And the problem with that is on Bumble, you do. On Bumble, you do send the messages first, but the men are not as inclined to respond or they'll respond, but they're just responding to be nice, not because they actually want to talk to you. At the end of the day, they're happy with the attention and I'm not ugly. So I think like they do appreciate the attention and they do respond, but there's plenty of other matches that they'd rather be talking to. And this poses an interesting sort of issue because a lot of men assume that every single woman has hundreds of matches and has her pick and that we are just being exceptionally picky. But it's not always the case. Like really and truly, men match with me all the time, but don't feel inclined to say anything, respond or, ma or really message me at all. And I would have friends who would match with hundreds of dudes and they would be leaving men on red because they just had so many men trying to talk to them. It's one thing to have a lot of matches, but it's another thing entirely to have men who are actively trying to talk to you. And that is a completely different conversation. And so I realized that, <clears throat> excuse me, I realized that in a lot of ways, these women were like really having problems sorting through these men. I mean, think about it. You have all these men you know, it's like a sausage fest. All these men trying to get at you, you don't even know who to pick because there's too many. But, you know, I don't think I had that problem. Now, granted, a lot of women universally do experience the fact that a lot of these men who are trying to get at you, try to talk to you, really just want you for sex. 
They're not even good options. So we would have to talk about the fact that even out of hundreds of matches, there's still like going to be a, a sizable chunk of those men who literally are deadbeats and they just want to have sex. They're not even trying to treat you like a human being. But even, even accounting for that, there's still quite a few men, enough to where they have actual options and they can pick and decide which man they want to go with. And so for me, you know, I'm playing a different ball game entirely because by the time I get through those 30 matches, the 30, right? If that 30, well, yeah, 30, I would say 30 is a fair number for me on a, on a given day, maybe 30 matches going through those dudes and seeing which one of them actually respond. And then after that, which one of them actually I have a conversation with, the numbers drastically dwindle. I mean, I can have 30 matches, but, you know, at least 15 don't really say anything. And then other 15 may respond, but only five of them I have an actual conversation with. And then who out of those men actually asks me on a date or wants to get to know me better? One or two. That's my conversion rate. That's my conversion rate. And not the one or two that asked me on a date, how many of them do you think I have, you know, are actually good dudes I would have something in common with? None of them. Meanwhile, you know, my um, other friends, my non-black friends, they they can have maybe like, I'd say out of the hundreds, 20. 20 dudes that are not only people they'd be interested in that are romantically attracted to, but potentially dudes that would actually ask them on a date. And those numbers only dwindle over time. So that's why they always have a ton of dudes in their Snapchat or whatever else, because really 20, 20 is a good number. 20 is a good number of men who want to actually have a conversation with you. That's a high number. 20 men that you can retain as men who are actually trying to talk to you like a human being. And maybe those numbers will dwindle if you get to how many of them you actually want to date and then maybe how many of them will actually take you on a date. But the numbers are still pretty good. Like if you can whittle that down to maybe, you know, five who you actually go on a date with, that's better than my zero. And so this is the conversation that needs to be had because I feel like, you know, when it comes to online dating, I don't really take it all that personally because people don't understand when you're online dating, these people don't know you. They have no interactions with you. They're only, they're only going solely based on your political identity. And I bring this up because everyone has a political identity, not just black people. You know what I mean? Like political identities are a way to add up the sum of somebody's identities. So what they identify as. So if you're a straight person, if you're a woman or a man, what race you are, those things add up to be like your, your political identity, but those are not meant to be all you are. Like you're not just a black woman. You're not just a white man. You are more than those things. And what political identities do is reduce you down to those few traits. And it's really dehumanizing because people are only looking at the fact that you're a white man and not thinking about you loving music or loving art or, you know, majoring in, in you know, engineering or whatever else. Like, they're not seeing you as a fully fleshed out human being. They're only seeing their own projections of what they think you're going to be like. 
And this is important because I feel like in the dating scene, it's very superficial and very shallow on online dating specifically. It's all based on the other person's projection of what they think you are like. You know what I mean? What they believe that you might be like. And so, you know, I think that just in general, it can become really problematic because a lot of my non-black friends, they don't want to admit that they're is a lot of like racism and discrimination that has to happen in dating. And the reason why is because we don't see people as fully fleshed out, like three-dimensional beings. We see them as like projections of what they be- we believe them to be. So for example, if you're an Asian woman, and this actually come up came up in conversations on my different social media accounts, because I saw that I was bringing this up and people were trying to like say I was wrong, but I'm not. It's true. Like we have the data to show it. It's true. For example, like if you're an Asian woman, I've seen a lot of the fact that Asian women are preferred in the dating market now, more so than they were 20 to 30 years ago. And the reason why, there's multiple reasons for this, but the biggest contributor I feel is the fact that Asian women in the United States make a lot of money. They probably are the high, one of the highest income earners in the United States across the board. So that means that due to capitalism, people project their own ideas about what Asian women are like onto all Asian women. So if you're an Asian woman, people are expecting you to be docile, submissive, high income earner, you know, skinny. They expect for you to have all these strong cultural values, be super skinny, super conservative and submissive and docile and make a lot of money. So, you know, that's something that a lot of people would aspire to because they truly believe that Asian women are eligible for partnership. I think as we saw Asian men and Asian women start to make more money, the public started to view them a lot more favorably. Which is why it's very interesting to me that within the past 20 to 30 years, a lot of Asian people have been lured into a sense of like complacency when it comes to racism. And we're just now seeing a lot of Asians be the most vocal I've ever seen. I've, it's probably been a minute since I've seen Asian people be this vocal about any damn thing. They're being really vocal about racism because they have no choice. They have no choice at this point. You have been sitting around you know, enjoying the privileges of patriarchy, but fully understanding what that would cost you. And so now that you're seeing the cost, you're seeing the fetishization, you're seeing the violence that can be enacted on people who look different than the status quo. Now you're vocal, but like y'all weren't really that vocal any other time. And to be fair, to be fair, like I said before, Asian people did not always have this sort of benefit. This is something very recent. Asian people were always discriminated against. I mean, you got to look at the internment camps for Japanese people. You got to look at the way that um, different Asian people were treated when they were building railroads. Um, yellow, uh, what was it called? It was like a specific term that was called. It was called when Asian people would start their own restaurants and white people would actively boycott and protest and not go to their restaurants because they, just because they were Asian. You know, these things happen all throughout American history to try and hurt the Asian community. So this is not saying that Asian people never experienced racism. This is that within the most recent recent years within 20 to 30 years a lot of asian people have become a little complacent with with racism and white supremacy because they're seeing modest gains it's the quote-unquote model minority myth the idea that people who are asian people are better than the other minorities because they work so hard they're such hard-working immigrants and it's really only tied to socioeconomic status like once asian people started making a lot of money and started being like high income earners 
you know, the public started to look at them differently and started to look at them more favorably. But the the cost of that is because you're it's because it's a political identity. It's not who you really are as a human being. The cost of that is dehumanization and fetishization of Asian women. It is what it is, right? And so when I was talking about this issue, I did see a lot of Asian women get upset because they made it seem like I was saying that their fem- their fetishization is a privilege, and I'm like, no, that's the downside. Like that's the that's the bad part about patriarchy. When we look at the sheer amount of Asian women who are complaining about fetishization, but then turn around and intermarry with white people the most out of literally everybody, it proves that y'all know the benefits of patriarchy. You're willing to leverage your position to get what you want, which is financial security. You're clearly benefiting from this, but you need to admit the downside and the downside or the bad part about this is you're being dehumanized. You're just used as an accessory to white men. You're, you're, you're fetishized essentially by these fetishized by these men. So like what I'm saying is not, you can't really disprove this because y'all know it's true because we see how you move as a collective. I mean, two things to me can be true at once. You can still experience like racism and prejudice from like white people and also benefit from this system. And in fact, it's most likely that it is, that is the case because no one would tolerate a system that was just brutally oppressive and they got no benefit from. The only reason patriarchal systems can work is if people are actually getting some benefits. There has to be a benefit at every role, at every level of society. Everyone has to have some benefit, but it will cost you. And the costs are massive. So, you know, when I talk about this issue, I think it's really weird because as a black woman, I can clearly see the benefits. Clearly. You can't tell me. You cannot tell me that if I had the same personality, the same intellect, the same achievements in life, the same, um, I guess, personality, that if I was Asian, I wouldn't already be married. You can't tell me that. I'm sorry, because you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. I know so many Asian women, and I'm not saying this is anecdotal, but just to be fair, to be fair, it's anecdotal. But, you know, the amount of Asian women I know that are like friends of mine or whatever else that turn around and have partners, like serious committed partners at young ages, 23, 24, 25. Like, do y'all, do y'all, y'all, people don't even consider that that is not the average black woman's experience. Like the average black woman is actually celibate for longer periods of time than all of her counterparts. Meaning a lot of us, especially the more educated you are as a black woman, we actually do tend to like be celibate and not have sex and not be in partnership with people for quite some time. And the fact that people think that is not a, that that's not like the result of privilege, I don't understand. I really, I genuinely don't understand. And, you know, to be clear, because once again, you know, people have to learn how to walk and chew gum. I'm not saying that all black women are considered ugly. This is not about desirability. Because to be honest, I would have a hard time believing that black women are considered undesirable. I just I just don't think that's true. People can lie and say that black women are ugly all they want to, but I don't think it's about desirability. Black women been considered attractive. The problem is who are people choosing to mate and partner with? Because we all find people attractive, but we don't all want to date and marry them. 
there's a, and even if you are dating, that doesn't mean that people are choosing to be a long-term committed partner to you and share their assets with you. That is a completely different conversation. There's levels to this. And so I think that as a black woman, specifically darker skin, we occupy a certain space in the conversation where people are just now starting to admit that they find us attractive, but they still haven't reconciled the fact that, that we are like literally fully fledged human beings, just as worthy as companionship as they are. Like a lot of my dating experiences with men, the reason why I haven't been in a lot of relationships, I've only been in one com- one committed relationship, only the, only the one, if I'm being honest, is because I've dated a lot of different types of men, right? I would say I I have a more active dating experience. Like I don't have a hard time attracting men. And I don't think I have for haven't had that problem for a while. Once I grew into my looks and I learned how to like socialize with men, I was fine. The problem is it's hard for me to find a committed partner. And the reasons why are very specific because the men who I've dated are very much sexually and romantically attracted to me. But there's been several times in my life where I feel like men have struggled with their attraction to me. My ex-boyfriend, the one boyfriend I have had, one of the problems that he had, and it was just, is really racism, and I'll explain why, is because he struggled to accept that I, as a black woman, was actually a suitable partner long-term. He was fine seeing me as someone to potentially have sex with, someone to spend time with, you know, casually or whatever else. I was okay enough, intelligent enough, cool enough to hang out with on a regular basis, cool enough to take on dates. But when it came time to figure out if he wanted to claim me, I had to meet a certain standard because all black girls won't do, right? You need to be a certain type of black girl to even be considered. And then What made it even more so obvious was that like it was difficult for him to accept the fact that as we started to date as boyfriend and girlfriend more longer term, it's like he had just realized after almost a year of dating that like, because we were approaching a year, like we weren't quite there yet. Well, at eight or nine months, we were getting there. It's like it took him that long to finally think about the fact that We could have had kids together. Like we could have very well had gotten married and had children together. And that led to the reason why we broke up. I mean, think about it. How do you date someone for eight or nine months and just come to the conclusion that, wait, we could date and get married and have kids. Like, why is that not something you would think about any other time? It doesn't make sense to me, especially when he was a more conservative Christian type. Like maybe some people have girlfriends and boyfriends and they don't think of of anybody seriously, but the, the conservative Christian types do tend to think about that. That's something that as a conservative, they do tend to care more about since they're more, I would say traditional, they're traditionalists. So the fact that a traditionalist could date somebody for eight or nine months and not even consider that maybe they would actually end up together is problematic. And I know this is the case because it's like he struggled with his attraction to me and the realization that I could be a serious long-term partner because he says to me, and this is why we broke up, that he didn't see himself having black children. And I was like, so you've known me for several years and you dated me for how long? And before we even became a, like a, a couple, we were, we were like talking for a while. 
you know, the talking stage in college is where people, I hate that shit. But anyway, so we were talking for a while before we even got into a relationship. And so the fact that like he had just realized that, you know what? I don't know if I want black children. The fact that he had that real sudden realization after dating me for a while, after meeting my parents, after I had met his parents says a lot. It says a lot. It's like he didn't even realize I was becoming a long-term part of his life. And once he realized that, he he had to sabotage it. So of course he's thinking, oh well, I I don't think I I can't see myself having black children. And he didn't know how to feel about it. And I'm like, you care about your kid's race? You know, like it was just very odd to me. Because obviously, if you date someone who's not the same race as you, obviously, they're going to be different. But it's the fact that he felt like he couldn't relate to them because they would they would be a different skin color. Like sharing genetic material wasn't enough. He felt like if they're not the same race as me, how am I going to relate to them? Like that's racist, you know, Like that's racist. But it took him months to come to that realization. And so I'm sitting there like, wow. 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 You know, and obviously I broke up with it and just, you know, whatever. But I do remember feeling like it explained so much about why it took him so long to even consider me as a girlfriend. Why, even though he was addicted to spending time with me and wanted to hear my opinion and seemed to care about me and spent all this money on me, taking me on dates and whatever else, he still struggled. Because at the end of the day, Black women are never shown as serious, desirable, romantic partners. We're shown as booty-shaking hoes. That's it. The only good thing that people can even think of when they talk about Black women is that we don't seem to age, which is kind of a lie. We do age, but whatever. And like, we seem to have big butts. But every Black woman doesn't have big butts. So we're really down to one stereotype, which is that we don't seem to age. And that's about it. That's like the sum of all the positive stereotypes people have about Black women by far. I Most people can't tell you anything else. And so for me... It's been very difficult because I don't believe that I'm undesirable. I don't truly believe that I'm ugly. And that's what I want people to understand. It's not about your physical appearance to these people. It's not about how cute you are. It's not about how handsome you are. It's about your political identity and all the baggage, the political baggage that comes with different identities. And so it's been very difficult to talk to non-Black people, whether they're a woman of color or not, about this issue is because there's so much gaslighting and avoidance on this issue as if like you ignoring the very blatant and clear disparities in income and marriage is going to just like it's just going to go these things are going to go away these inconvenient truths are just going to go away like come on you can't sit here and claim racism isn't real and then be like wait black women are the least married out of every single fucking race that's ridiculous so you would have to to justify that, say that black women don't want marriage. So that's why they're not getting married. Or that black women are so undesirable for marriage because we're fat and ugly. So neither one of those things is going to be a desirable reason or explanation as to why so many black women don't get married and don't end up in long-term partnerships. You would have to come up with really ridiculous accusations and claims to justify 
a cultural phenomenon. Like, it's, it's really not normal to see that kind of blatantly obvious discrepancy or, or disparity. And it even more so does it make sense because when you think about how many Black women are having children, it's obvious they want to have families. 70%, over, over way over 70% of Black women who have children are not married. So the majority of Black women that you see who have children are not even married. It's clear at that point that Black women do want families. And they're not, it's not necessarily that Black women are having kids at super, super young ages. They're not. The problem is they don't have long-term partners. That is the issue. The issue is Black women are not being able to get married, but they're still having the kids because why not? And even that's changing because we're seeing the rate of abortions for Black women steadily increase because Black women are like, you know what? If I can't find a partner, if I can't find a husband or a long-term committed situation, I'm not going to have this kid. So we're seeing the rate of Black women having abortions climb. It's getting ridiculous out here. So even the, when we think about the birth rate for Black women, a lot of people only consider the Black women who actually do have the children. We're not considering the many that don't. So many Black women are deciding to opt out of motherhood entirely, at least for the short term, because they can't find a long-term committed partner so they don't feel like it's worth it. That's why you see the birth rate for Black people going down. It's like dropping because Black women are just not having kids. And the ones that are choosing to have those children are choosing to have them knowing they don't have a partner to support them emotionally, financially, or otherwise. And so to me, it feels like gaslighting to talk about how black women are routinely discriminated against in dating and relationships and not just by white people. I want to make that clear. It's not like it's only white people, the big, bad white people causing this problem. It's people of every race, including black men. Like this is not like a phenomenon where we can just put it all on white people like y'all do with everything and make it go away. It's not that simple. Like, we have to talk about the fact that black women are so discriminated against and racialized and hypersexualized and fetishized, but never seen as real partners. So Asian women, if you're listening to this episode, I want you to shut the fuck up because your fetishization still benefits you. Black women's fetishization does not. There is a clear, discrep a clear discrepancy and it's very much tied to socioeconomic status. It just is. And like, you can complain about your fetishization, but don't sit here and do all this complaining and then be complicit in white supremacy to leverage your position to get what you want. I'm not mad that you're doing it. I just think the gaslighting and the being ign willfully ignorant and obtuse needs to stop. Like nobody believes you. You're complaining about shit that you willingly buy into in mass. We have the data. So at this point, like if a black woman is saying this, don't talk over her because she's probably right. She's right. Like a lot of this stuff with political identity, the problem is that it dehumanizes people, but y'all are willing to be dehumanized to get what you want financially. And hey, live your life the way you want. I don't think people are necessarily wrong to do that because we in this society have like limited options and choices to a degree, especially women of color. So I get that. But what we're not going to do is pretend like you don't have privilege just because you want to complain about being fetishized. The two can be true at once. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. Just like I, as a black woman, I am skinny. I'm kind of petite. And a lot of people don't realize this until they see me in person that literally 
I've slimmed down over the years. I remember the, the heaviest I've ever been was 160 pounds. And that was years ago. At this point, my weight kind of hovers around 130, 140 maybe. If, if, you know, I'm eating real good. If I'm in a relationship and eating good. But my, my, to be honest, when I was in college, I was getting a ton of attention from men. And I was like in the 120s. And granted, I was severely unhealthy. But like in my 120s, early 130s, like 130, 135, like I was getting a ton of attention from men. A ton. And that was at my thinnest. And granted, you would have to understand, I look very petite, but I also have a lot of muscle. So that explains the weight because people don't tend to think that I can weigh 140 pounds, but you have to actually consider I've danced for years. I'm very physically active. So generally speaking, so I do like have muscle and the muscle is what weighs pretty heavy, but I don't look it at all. I've always worn a size two to six. Eight one time, but then again, we have to talk about women's sizes and how vanity sizing fluctuates per store. So even that's not a fair measurement. I can only tell you the weight and the BMI. And my BMI has always been under 20%, always, my whole life, for as long as I can remember. So I would have to admit that there's some privileges to being a thinner woman. Now, granted, that don't mean that I just get a bunch of men trying to marry me. That's not the case. But I will acknowledge that when it comes to the larger society, I don't get a ton of hate for how I look. People do tend to like the way that I look and they do tend to think I'm very attractive. Why? Because I'm skinny. I'm skinny, okay? I'm a skinny queen. It is what it is. And I would be, it would be intellectually dishonest to sit here and be like, oh, well, because I'm dark skinned, that that overrides everything. And that's not true. Beauty politics is very complicated. Like there are plenty of bigger women who have problems in dating. Like I have friends who are, um, to me, in my opinion, prettier than me, but because they're bigger, they don't get a lot of male attention. And they may be lighter skinned. The gag is they may actually be lighter skinned, but because they're larger and due to fat phobia, they may not get a ton of attention. Or maybe they do. It kind of depends. It, there's a lot of factors that play into this. So it would be wrong of me to be like, oh yeah, because I'm thin and dark skinned and you know, no one can understand. And like, well, that's not really quite true. Maybe in the black community, because the standard of beauty in the black community is leaning towards thick women. It always has. Maybe there is no real clout for me in the black community. There never has been. Most black men are not attracted to me by far, right? I'm not the beauty standard. I'm darker skinned and I'm skinny. I don't have really much of an ass. So there, it is what it is. But, you know, that doesn't mean that outside of the black community, I'm not considered more close to the standard of beauty. It's due to proximity, you know, education and socioeconomic status on top of the fact that I'm thin conveys a certain level of privilege. It does. It just does. Like I can navigate certain spaces better because I'm skinny and because I'm educated and I don't need to downplay my experiences with colorism with racism, with misogynoir to say that. Like the two things can be true. I don't feel a particular type of way admitting that. I don't. Like it's just the truth to me. Like based on what I've seen from everyone's experiences and all these different stories that I'm hearing, it does seem to be the case that attraction is contextual. But given on online dating, there is no context because you don't know the person and you've never spoken to them. So we can only rely on our political identities to express the likelihood that we will be interested in someone. 
And the mass public still believes that because you're a black woman, that you are not relatable. That's what I'm trying to say. The mass public still believes that being a dark skinned person with a vagina means that you are not relatable, that they can't relate to you and that there's nothing in common that you would have. The sheer amount of like non-black men who are attracted to me, but then feel like, oh, well, I'm surprised you would like rock music. I'm surprised you like this and whatever. It's kind of like you have projected onto me what you think black women like. You think all black women like hip hop. You think all black women are like social justice warriors campaigning for social justice, super feminists who are radically politically motivated. Everyone's not like that. Seriously, everyone's not like that. I don't know why everyone tends to think that all black women are the same. There's a lot of commonalities, but it's due in, in part. The, com- the commonalities in black women we see is due in part to social, social factors that are like ridiculous. Like it is ridiculous to still see that in 2021, people legitimately think that all black women have fat butts and listen to rap music. Like, why is it that you think the city girls represents all black women? I don't understand that. Not that there's anything wrong with the city girls. I just don't understand. I really don't understand. It's like suburban black people don't exist to y'all. It's frustrating. And so, you know, a lot of suburban black women that I've talked to have had the same experience with non-black men assuming everything in the world. Like it's to the point where if you're a black woman, they have this whole checklist of things that they think about you. And they actually get disappointed when you don't give them the urban black experience they're looking for. Like, they really want me to be like, ew, period, poo, and wear, like, long weave and have nails and fake nails and shit. Like, they expect that from me. And I'm like, every Black woman is not the same. Some of us don't do that shit. Like, it's just not my personality. It's just not. But it's like, they expect for you to give them the urban Black experience so they can feel woke and, you know, say ACAB with with pride and rebel against their parents. It's ridiculous. Like, it's to the point where I'm like, any sort of non-Black person who is interested in me, I'm automatically skeptical a little bit, just because I know that some of y'all have really conservative parents, and you use me as a way to liberate yourself from your parents' conservative expectations. So you want me to be the super pro-Black liberal chick with an afro, with her fist in the air, fighting police officers in the streets during Black Lives Matter protests, because you want to feel... Like you're making a change in society. And so you want to make a a wave. You want to feel different. You want to feel unique. You want to explore what's out there and rebel through me. And a lot of white men, especially, especially white men, have to come to terms with the fact that I'm not going to be that for you. I'm not going to be your Black Lives Matter safe haven where you can complain about police and then like say stupid shit. Like, I'm sorry. It's not for me. Maybe it's for somebody. I'm sure there's a black woman out there that you can rebel against people and be anti-capitalist, be a communist anarchist, in a communal anarchist person. But I'm not that person, right? I'm just not. I may know what you're talking about, but I'm not that person. Like, to be honest, you would be surprised at how shallow and like, chill I am I like to talk about deep stuff but I also like to talk about stupid shit and you're gonna have to live with it you're gonna have to like it and love it I guess I'm a multifaceted human being and so I'm saying all this to say that you know for me in particular when it comes to dating and relationships I find it really hard only because I know like I know I know that I know 
almost with certainty because of my socioeconomic status, if I was not black, my situation would be different. I wouldn't go months without meeting a man that could even remotely be taken seriously. And don't get it twisted. This is not to suggest that I don't date non-black people and only date black men because they're part of the problem too. If I'm being honest, black men project onto me just as much shit as non-black people do, if not more. So let's be clear. Black men ain't getting a pass in this too. I just didn't drag y'all ass. I'm gonna get to it in a minute though. But you know, for me, it's just kind of like, I know that I would not be single for so long and still only have one relationship if I wasn't black. Not only because I'm flirtatious, but also because generally speaking, like I am considered widely attractive or whatever. So I know it's because I'm a Negro. I know it's because that's the real reason. And through my experiences with like dating, like different types of men, I've seen them openly acknowledge that they're attracted to me and openly want to get to know me better. But for whatever reason, just can't figure out why they're not emotionally attracted to me. And it's like, because you think you don't want or can't find a way to be emotionally attracted to someone that you are programmed to discriminate against. You don't see my humanity. So it's very difficult for you to see me as a romantic partner at all, at all, at all. And being smart makes it even worse because I'm smart enough to see the bullshit. I'm smart enough to see when a non-black person, specifically a white man, is struggling with it being attracted to me. I'm not dumb. I can tell. I can tell when he's like, he doesn't have a reason. There is no real reason. It's just prejudice. There's a reason why some of these non-black men truly can't see themselves with anyone other than a white woman. It's not surprising to me that they complain about white women and turn around and date a marry one. Because at the end of the day, you complain about shit that you're not really mad about. You're programmed to only want to be with white women because they are seen as the only women deserving of any type of romance, any type of emotional attraction, any sort of good treatment. And black women deserve your fist punches. They deserve you being shitty to us. We deserve you blocking us, ghosting us, being disrespectful to us, stripping our egos to make yourself feel better. That's what the black bitches deserve, right? That's what you're programmed to do to us. So anything outside of that, you don't see the value. I hate to be the person to tell you, but you're not that unique. Most of you who are super woke and claim to be super liberal, you're all the same. To be honest, I've dated conservative white men. I've dated liberal white men. I've dated conservative men, progressive ones, and they all do the same stuff, guys. If you ever want to wonder why I'm just very much blah about most people is because I've seen the same things. It doesn't really matter the race. It doesn't really matter the political affiliation. The majority of you are the same because you're all programmed to do the same shit to me. So to me, it's like, no, I don't care the race of man that I date because you can sit here and tell me all day long that black men are going to treat you better and that you don't want to deal with anti-blackness. But as someone who has only tried to date black men for the majority of my life before just giving up, listen, like I was only attracted to black men for like 21 years of my life. My first date was with a black man, but nothing ever came of those exchanges. Most black men do not find me attractive. And I really wish y'all would hear me on this. Really, it's true. Like black men are not missing out by not dating me. I promise you they're not. I promise to you. The black men that are interested in fit black women who are skinny, they don't want dark-skinned black women. They want white women. They want non-black women. They want Asian women. They don't want dark-skinned black women. And it's okay to admit that. It's okay to be like, yeah, I don't appeal to their taste. I don't. 
Um, it doesn't matter. And this is what I really wish black women would understand. It truly does not matter how smart you are, how feminine you are, how skinny you are, how fit you are, how smart and intelligent, educated you are. It does not matter. If these people don't want to see you as a human being, they're going to find a reason as to why they're not attracted to you. It goes just as much for black men as it does white men, as it does Latino men, as it does Asian men. It doesn't matter. If the person doesn't want to see your humanity, nothing is going to convince that convince them otherwise. You can perform as much as you want to perform and it's not going to change it. Listen, I've been down that path of thinking I have a degree. I'm going to go to get my master's degree in a really good field so I can make a lot of money. I've been the one thinking I'm going to go wear dresses every single day and talk in a high voice and perform and don't turn tricks for men and show off how educated and smart and interesting and cute and funny I am. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And there's some freedom in understanding that. Really, I tr- the reason why I don't hate myself anymore because I did have such strong self-loathing tendencies is because I internalized all the ways that people would shit on me over my entire life as something that I deserved. Like it was my fault. And then when I realized it's not my fault, it's not because I'm ugly. It's not because I'm not smart. It's not because there's something wrong with me. It's literally not because of those things. It's not because not having a butt makes me ugly. It's literally because I'm freaking black. And that's okay. It's just because I'm a black woman and that's fine. Some people just don't like black women and never will. It doesn't matter if they want to fuck you. They don't like you. It doesn't matter. And that's why I don't put my desirability, meaning thinking that I'm beautiful or thinking that I'm attractive or desirable in the hands of straight men specifically, because like, it doesn't matter. They can fuck you all they want to. Most men would fuck me, to be honest. And I know this for a fact because most men will fuck anything. Most men would fuck me. Most men would think I'm decently attractive to very attractive. It depends on his tastes. Get it all the time. Does not matter. I'm telling you for a fact. These people don't like you. They don't want to be with you. They truly don't see you as a human being. So instead of internalizing all the ways that people treat you, understand that it says more about them than it says about you. And I said all this because I wanted to talk about how this really has affected my mental health. Like it used to really make me feel like I was nobody, like I wasn't a piece of shit. And I realized that like a lot of black women deep down have self-worth issues. Like, the reason why so many Black women accept having children by men who don't want them, who never liked them, who were waiting on a trophy because they never wanted to marry you. Like, they always wanted somebody else. A lot of y'all accept that shit because that's what you think you deserve. I gotta be honest. A lot of you accept this shit because that's what you think is what you deserve. You look at your options and you think those are the only options available. You accept it and then you run with it. Like, we don't even question why it is that black women are giving two or three shitty choices. And then we bully and harass and shame black women who make one choice out of three options available when all three options are really shitty. You know, like, I personally don't believe that, like, this is something 
that black women ask for or something that we particularly can change. I don't think black women can change anyone's mind. Like, I'm not going to go on a campaign trying to make people love us and want us. That's just not going to happen. It's a heart issue. People have to change their hearts and their mindset around, you know, us. And if they decide they want to see us as a human being, then that's fine. But if not, that's fine, too. Um, So, yeah, I'm not personally concerned about, like, what people think about me at this point in the game because I see how... I used to internalize it and make it something that was my fault. And I think what I didn't understand how America, America works, how this society functions, I used to really internalize this stuff and think that it was something that I did to people. And it wasn't. It A lot of times it's just a projection of what they truly feel about Black women and how they think of us. And, you know, that's just their problem. It's a personal problem and it's not mine. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think, too, that the unworthiness and the lack of self-confidence that black women feel is due in part to how we we're told that we're not desirable. And I want to specifically talk about this because I feel like a lot of black women, I heard somebody say this before. They were saying that black women have ugly duckling syndrome. Like we always feel like we're ugly little black girls, no matter how old we get, no matter how successful we become, we can grow into our looks and it doesn't matter. We feel like little ugly black girls who are undesirable and unworthy. That's largely because of two things. For one, you know, women in general are taught that their youth, to that their youth is their beauty and beauty is power. So for women, we're, we're told to aspire to beauty, not aspire to power. And so beauty is all that we're supposed to be worth. And then second it's the idea that black women are not beautiful, that black women should not aspire to beauty. We should not aspire to beautify ourselves or adorn ourselves and make ourselves feel good or pamper ourselves because what's the point, you know? It's the idea that black women have been told forever that we're not beautiful, that nobody wants us, that nobody thinks we're beautiful. And in fact, that's actually not the problem. The problem has never been black women being ugly. Black women have always been beautiful. We've always gotten attention from other men. I wish people would understand this. Black women have always gotten attention from men. The problem was that we were never seen as human beings in the process. Like, how can you, as a black woman, get treated like a woman if you are not even considered a human being for most of American history? If for most of American history, black women have not even been seen as human beings, what makes you think that we could be seen as women and treated with a certain level of female privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I think that that plays a lot into how we see ourselves and a lot about what we accept from people. And I've learned that I don't have to accept half-hearted effort from men. I don't have to accept DMs and late night texts and calls. I don't have to accept men taking me on coffee dates. I don't have to accept this shit. Because as a black woman, it's not about me being ugly or beautiful. It's about me being human. And honestly, the second I decided to raise my standards and not take everything so personally and look at things from the perspective of this is a personal problem and it's not even your personal problem. It's their personal problem. If a man isn't willing to see how amazing I am as a human being, that's not my problem. I admit it. I'm an acquired taste. It is what it is. And so for me, you know, I think that 
embracing my womanhood and accepting the fact that it is mine to claim and also accepting that people are not going to want to be like be around me or not want to be with me that that is not something that I can change or should change has been so liberating for me once you see the system for what it is and how it's intended to dehumanize people it should be liberating because you know what you start to realize you're not so crazy it wasn't your fault and that you know what you don't have to accept this bullshit I don't believe that I'm going to be single forever. Like, I, I do believe at some point I will meet somebody worth a damn, but I haven't yet. And that's fine, too. I mean, <laughs> oh, my gosh, y'all think I'm really sad and depressed about not having a partner. And I'm really not. It's really the sex. But it, outside of that, like, of course, I do want to be, a you know, be partnered. Like, I do want to have like a partner and a relationship and all those things. And I don't think it's like a totally hopeless situation. Logically, I really don't. I think occasionally I get in my emotions and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be single forever. This fucking sucks. But it is what it is. Like, if you are dating the right way, you're going to say no to a lot of people. If you are like dating and vetting men for misogyny and racism and all of these really bad things, like not being emotionally available... That's definitely going to say, it's going to help you say no to a lot of people. That's how I know I'm dating the right way. I'm not trying to force myself to look for a man 24-7, constantly swipe on dating apps, subject myself to bullshit all the time. I'm not accepting late night calls from men. And I'm certainly not like going through this thing where I punish myself and take more pictures whenever I feel like I'm not worthy or wanted. You know what I do? I turn off my phone. I watch a YouTube video that makes me laugh. Whenever I feel sad, whenever I feel like undesirable or worthy or unworthy, I try to tap into the feelings that I've had when I stared in the mirror and realized I thought I was beautiful. There's some videos that I have of me just doing normal, regular things. And it brings tears to my eyes because I remember feeling so sad about myself and feeling down and feeling unworthy and feeling ugly. But I look at those videos now, like especially of me in college, and I was like, I was so beautiful. And I still am. Granted, I'm a little bald now, but it's whatever. I miss my hair. But anyway, um, you know, I just remember looking at myself and being like, she was so beautiful. That girl was beautiful. Like, I, I really sometimes am surprised because occasionally, because I'm so used to looking at my face, I look at myself and I'm like, wow, that girl is beautiful. She is really pretty. And it's like those moments where I'm able to go through my camera roll and see those old memories and be like so proud of myself and so awed at my own beauty helps shake me out of this feeling that I'm not worthy of anything. Because just think of it as a temporary emotion. A temporary feeling that you get from time to time to remind you that you're human and that you have flaws and that you're not perfect and that you have good and bad days just like everybody else. But those good or bad days do not have to define your entire self-perception and they don't have to change your narrative. Like the narrative of your life is totally up to you to create and you do not have to sit here and allow yourself to bully yourself into subjection like that. Like you don't have to tolerate that shit. So anyway, um, I hope that this episode was helpful to some people and explained a lot of things. And I also think that like people, listen, if you're not a black woman and you're watching this, I am not shitting on you. But if you are racist, misogynistic, you know what I'm saying? You probably should do some work, right? Like if you 
if some feelings come up for you about what I'm saying and you are just so angry, you need to really think about why you're angry. Are you angry because I insulted you? Or are you angry because you see the truth in what I'm saying? Are you angry because I called you out? Like, why are you really upset about what I said? Because what I said, when you look around you, when you look at the data, it's starting to look more true, more right than wrong. So before you send me hate mail, please consider what I said, right? So, um, and if you're not like a black woman and you're like a woman, right? But maybe you're not a black woman. I hope that at some point, some of you, not all of you, but some of you can really do some introspection and be more self-aware because it's getting to the point where it's like, as a black woman, I know some of you guys, I can't even talk to you about this issue because you're so fragile and it's fake fragility, but like so fragile, just the thought of you benefiting from patriarchy makes you sad as if you don't know that you benefit. You do, right? Don't make me pull out the receipts and embarrass you. You do. We all do to some degree, but it's only, I feel like non-black women who really kind of lean in to things like this, they lean so far in to the point where it's like you, you are starting to become like the men that you don't like. Just like you wouldn't like it if men were denying misogyny as if sexism towards women is not a real issue in society. Just like if you wouldn't like that, I think it's about time for you to stop regurgitating white supremacist talking points as if you don't benefit from this shit because you do. There's a cost to it, dehumanization, but a lot of you benefit. And I think that we would all have a much better conversation if we were all able to look at ourselves objectively and say, you know what? Yeah, this system benefits me in very specific ways that maybe it doesn't benefit other people. And maybe I should be more compassionate to people who don't have those same experiences because like what they're saying is probably valid. It just may not be my lived experience, but it's probably just as valid. So anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you liked what I had to say, definitely like and share and, you know, review this podcast. I don't have a lot of reviews yet. I don't know why, because I see like people, like the same 30 people watch my pod or listen to my podcasts. So I feel like 30 of you consistently at this point are listening to my podcast. So definitely like give me some reviews, like even if all of, even if just 30 people or even just 15 of you reviewed my podcast on iTunes, it would, it would really mean a lot to me. Like, seriously, it would mean a lot to me. It helps like boost the podcast and helps me continue making the content that I want to make. So anyway, thanks for listening. And I hope to see you guys in the next episode. I keep saying see it's a podcast. Anyway, I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye.